Bible ready or, or open your device up and um, click over to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew 4, verse 17. I'm going to pick up again on my topic, the kingdom of God. This will be installment number 11. So, kingdom of God, number 11. And this morning I want to preach a message that I've called kingdom versus religion. Kingdom versus religion. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 4. Or what, it, what Matthew 4 says about Jesus. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, is at hand. So Jesus began to preach, and his message from the very beginning was the kingdom of God is in your midst. The kingdom of God is at hand. When Christ came into the world, he didn't bring a religion to earth. He brought a government. He brought a government, not a religion. And throughout his ministry, Jesus made it clear that his mission was to install that kingdom, that kingdom government, into the hearts of people. That was his mission. And he made it abundantly clear. Just in the Gospel of Luke alone, there are several references, and I've just selected a few of them. In Luke 8 and 1, it says that Jesus preached the good news of the kingdom of God. It doesn't say that the good news was a new, fresh religion for people to try out. Well, In uh, chapter 9 and verse 11, it says, Jesus spoke with the multitudes and about the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. Jesus spoke with the multitude. What did he speak with them about? The kingdom of God. In, um, also in chapter 9, verse 32, he comforts his followers. We know that we're in a world of conflict. Um, we know that, uh, that when we stand for God, there can be resistance. And so he comforts us, and he says... In verse 32, don't be afraid, little flock. God's got something for you. How many of you know what that something was? Sharp people, you've probably gone ahead in your mind. Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure. He's happy to do what? Give you the kingdom. Not give you a, a new religion. Give you the kingdom. In chapter 12, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. And everything else will be added to you. How do we get God to add to our life? Seek first what? A new religion? No, we seek first the kingdom. Whatever the kingdom is, Jesus said, that's where it's all at. And in chapter 29, Jesus said to his disciples towards the end of his ministry, as he's about to bestow upon them that which was upon him, he said, I confer upon you a kingdom just as my Father conferred it to me. So I am about to take the kingdom that I represent, being the king, and I am going to lay that kingdom upon you. Now, Jesus was announced as a king at his birth. And he was tried as a king at his crucifixion. He entered the world as a king, left the world as a king. He will return as a king. The kingdom of God is not a religion. 
The kingdom of God is a government. Somebody say praise the Lord. That famous verse of scripture from Isaiah in chapter 9 verse 6 and 7 says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. I want you to know that in God's realm, His zeal, the thing that excites God, is the government of God, the kingdom. He's excited not about religion, but He gets excited about His government. Can you say amen? The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. Notice that the increase of God is the effect of the government of the kingdom of God. When Christians and churches and God's people begin to walk in the government of God, begin to walk under His authority, under the Lordship of Jesus, when they walk in a kingdom mentality, when they walk in a government mentality, God begins to add increase. The Holy Spirit is in the world today to increase the government of God. That's why it's not a good idea to have problems with God's governing over our lives. Can you say amen? Listen, the difference between Christianity as a religion and Christianity as a government is simply this. When people receive the gospel as the kingdom of God, they're governed by the Lordship of Jesus. Christians who get saved into the government of God, throughout their lives, Jesus is Lord. And it's the Lordship of Jesus that governs them. They see their faith more as a, as a public uh, accountability than, than a private practice. So many Christians see their faith as a private practice. It's locked away in the privacy of their own lives. They don't tolerate being instructed, being challenged, being, being reproved because they don't see themselves as subject to governing. But the, if we are not under the government of God, if Jesus' lordship is not such in our lives that we can be reproved and corrected, that we can be given absolute direction from God's word and said this, and who says this is the way, walk in it, then we are walking in a religious version of Christianity and not the true government of Christianity. So, it's when people receive the gospel as the kingdom that they're governed by the lordship of Jesus. But, on the other hand, when people receive the gospel as a religion, the lordship of Jesus is replaced with um, some kind of a believerism. The believer sitting in the driver's seat. The believer um, is, instead of obeying the word of God, Christians that practice Christianity as a religion, they interpret the scriptures according to popular culture. Whatever fits comfortably with the culture of the moment, they fit the scriptures into it so that they are believers always in the favor of the spirit of the world. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And... Um, and Unfortunately, oftentimes, uh, when believers receive the gospel as a religion, they often join the world in criticizing conservative Christians for not supporting the popular trends of the day that they have 
accommodated and that they have aligned themselves with. <clears throat> so Christianity is a religion rather than a government is how we end up with liberal churches crusading for LGBTQ rights rather than honestly loving gay people by presenting them with the gospel and telling them Jesus loves them and that they need to come into the kingdom just like everyone else, that there's, there's room at the cross for them. So instead of taking that stand upon the truth of honesty, what do they do? They simply find the cause. And I'm not picking on LGBTQ, ABCD, whatever. Um, it just happens to be a very uh, prominent issue today that is typical of so many things that, that people who treat Christianity as a religion cave to and allow them to set the tone of how they're going to receive the kingdom. But when they receive it, it's, not long, it's no longer the kingdom. It is a set of ethics, if you will, that is left to the world to define what these things mean. See, this is, this is how we end up with Christians siding with feminists. That childbirth is a woman's right to choose rather than a mother's responsibility. You know, if you, if you think about it, rights and responsibility do work together. But when you separate them so that you are fighting for rights, but you don't have any responsibility, you've stepped outside of the principles that make the kingdom of God the kingdom of God. Because accountability is what separates the kingdom or the government of God from the religion of Christianity. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13, it says, We constantly thank God. When you received God's message that you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human message, but as it is truly the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. So Paul writes to the Thessalonians, he said, you know, I rejoice. Because when we brought the gospel to you, you did not receive it as a new philosophy. You didn't look at it as a new religion. You didn't look at the sayings of Jesus as, well, those are wonderful. Those are certainly better than these things that we've been following. That is wonderful. You can even believe that the gospel came from heaven, but strip it of its authority and simply take it as divine suggestions or platitudes that could be molded like tofu to take on the flavor of the world and the, the uh, philosophy du jour. So the, the fact is that Paul said the reason why God's working in your life so powerfully is that when you receive the word of God, you received it as the word of God. You received the government and not the religion of Christianity. As I said before, the primary difference between Christianity as a religion and Christianity as a government is accountability. Accountability. In Matthew chapter 18 and verse 23, Jesus, in giving one of his parables of the kingdom, said this, The kingdom of God may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. Let me say that again. This is, these are Jesus' words. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like a king who wants to settle accounts with his servants, 
with his citizens, with his people. Settling accounts is part of the kingdom of God. However, Christianity as a religion always looks down the road, kicks the can down the road to heaven. Christianity as a religion puts all of its emphasis on heaven, and heaven is the place where accounts will be settled. And it kicks the road of human bondage, the can rather, of human bondage down the road to one day when we get to heaven, God's going to work everything out. He's going to sort it all out. All these things that I struggle with that I you know, can't seem to get under control or can't seem to deal with. God's going to deal with them when I go to heaven. So religion always focuses on heaven and uh, as the place where people finally, accounts are settled and people are set free. But, but Christianity, as the government of Christ, overlays God's gift of sonship to you with the kingdom concept which adds a layer of servant accountability to your faith. So you're not just a son or a daughter of God, which we thank God for the foundation of sonship. But there is that overarching layer of God's government. And it's at the point of his government where God brings increase into our life and the zeal of God begins to move. So being, besides being your savior, besides being your shepherd, Jesus is also your king. And he, de he desires to daily settle accounts with you. Think about it. Instead of looking ahead to heaven, Jesus is here in your life now. The kingdom of God, Jesus proclaimed, is within you now. And the king... One of the acts of being in the kingdom is that daily we bow our heart before God and we settle up our accounts with him every day. We don't just keep kicking the can down the road saying, well, God will straighten things out and God will, God will iron out the wrinkles in my life. Um, I will be what the Lord wants me to be when I get to heaven. In fact, I would say to you that the practice of settling accounts of going before the Lord saying, Father, I'm being absolutely honest. I'm struggling with this thing. You know I've struggled. I've been around this mountain three or four or five times, if not three or four or five hundred times. But I'm coming to you, but I'm beginning this day by settling accounts with the king. In other words, I'm not going to go into this day dragging this anchor of compromise, of failure, moral boo-boos or big sins. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to drag it through the day I'm going to reconcile it with you right here, right now, this morning, before I go out into this day. I need the zeal of God. I need the government of God. I need the increase of God. And so, King, settle accounts with me. I come before you through the blood. I ask you to forgive me. Wash away what is wrong and strengthen me. Jesus said our daily prayer. In fact, throughout the day, our prayer should be, Our Father, which is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us away from temptation. So that should be a regular request. The king is not going to lead you away from temptation if you're not settling accounts with him. The government of God is where people settle accounts with the king. Religion just simply deals with them by saying, well, the Lord is, has given me grace and 
You know, I, I'm, I'm struggling, but the Lord understands. And thank God he, he really does understand. It's really awesome. Um, we never get away with anything, but we certainly get by. When we get by, by settling accounts with King Jesus. And believe me when I tell you that the settling of accounts on a regular basis with your king is how transformation takes place in your life. Think of, uh, think of what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12 when he said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. In other words, because God's merciful, I'm going to push you into the presence of the king, and I'm going to tell you that he demands that you settle accounts with him because he will deal with you as his son, as his daughter, and you will be confronted by the mercies of God. So I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present. Everyone say present. Yes. That sounds a lot like settling accounts, doesn't it? that you present your bodies. Now, why does he say present your bodies? Because wherever our weakness is, it's always rooted in our bodies. Always rooted in our flesh. That's, that's, that's the area that we cannot hide. We can always go before God, speak in tongues a little bit, sing some songs, and uh, impress God with our spirituality. But you present your body, it's altogether a different thing. You just can't get away from the need to settle accounts. And so I, I implore you, by the mercies of God, present your body a living offering, holy and acceptable to God. But my body isn't holy. Well, it will be once you settle accounts. You see, when you settle accounts, you'll be holy. And you say, well, how long does that take? Well, it takes about a split second the minute your heart's in it. Is that not right? Praise the Lord. You just come to that point and you step off into the mercy of God and present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. The Lord says you're not doing anything special when you get honest and, and settle up with me. That's your reasonable service. That's what you ought, that's your oil change. That's your topping off the fluids, changing the tires. That's just keeping yourself going. You haven't really raced off and accomplished anything yet. <laughs> that is your reasonable service. And then he goes on and says, and be not conformed to the world. Why does he say that? Because what he has just got done saying about settling accounts, presenting your body, is how you Keep from being conformed to the world. You can't help but get some of the world on you. I don't know about you, but I can't. I can't go through a day without walking through the door, and it's like, ugh. And, my, and Kathy's back there bobbing her head going, where'd you pick that up at? So be not conformed to the world, but be what? Be transformed. Transformed. Now, we all pray, oh, Lord, that I might be transformed to be more like thee. And we get spiritual about it. Oh, that we might be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Transformation is a product of settling accounts. It's not a product of trying to be spiritual. In fact, I don't believe that the quest for spirituality is a healthy quest. 
I don't really see in the scriptures where the quest for spiritual superiority or spirituality is even a biblical quest. The Bible doesn't say to quest after spirituality. It just says be spiritual by submitting your life to the Lord. He is the one who's in charge of making you spiritual. It is the result of a process of your fellowship with God, not of your questing after spiritual superiority. Somebody say, praise the Lord. So children of God who see themselves as citizen servants of his kingdom, they not only settle accounts with the Lord regularly, they settle accounts among themselves with one another. That's another reason why it's a government, not a religion. With a religion, you can... You have your own private religion. You can treat anybody the way you want. And if they don't like it, that's their tough luck. It's their problem. But in the kingdom of God, it's not like that. Not only do we settle accounts with the Lord, but once you've gotten to the habit of settling accounts with Jesus, you realize that he expects you to settle accounts with one another. And by the way, the settling of accounts is what keeps churches in the kingdom of God. You don't always walk into a church and the kingdom of God's in operation. And we don't always walk into this church and the kingdom of God's on, in operation. Kingdom of God is only in operation when the king is operating. And the king's not operating until it says, and Jesus, he told us, the kingdom of God is as a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. What does Jesus want most out of you? Settle accounts with him. He can make you spiritual, he can motivate you, but if you're dragging baggage, you're not getting anywhere until you get with Jesus and settle up. Amen? Amen. All right, praise the Lord. Finally this morning, Jesus saw that the meek inherit heaven. Thank you. I looked over there because I figured I'd I figured our resident seminarian would catch that and straighten it out. Isn't it interesting to you that Jesus did not say the meek will inherit heaven? Now, I don't wish to diminish being heavenly minded or heaven, but one of the problems with religion, Christianity as a religion is it, is it gives up the earth. It forsakes the world, it forsakes the earth, it turns it over to the devil and lets the devil have it while we run off to heaven. Are we going to heaven? Well, I don't know about you, but I'm certainly hoping and praying and, I'm, and believing. Yes, the church will be caught up and we will be with the Lord, but not forever in heaven. We'll be with the Lord forever, but not forever in heaven. It is a temporary staging area. If any of you have a military background, you understand what a staging area is. It's a temporary staging area where we are equipped and the marriage supper of the Lamb takes place. What are we staging for? What are we, what are we preparing for? We're preparing to reclaim the earth, to come back with King Jesus and the kingdoms of the world become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. And we come, and the Lord comes, with ten thousands of ten thousands of His saints. So the meek inherit the earth. From the very beginning, 
Jesus put those seeds out to seed in people's minds. I am here to bring government, God's government, into the earth. Somebody say praise the Lord. Christianity is a religion, as I said, it's preoccupied with leaving earth and going to heaven. But the priority of the kingdom of God is the reclamation of the earth, not an escape to heaven. And so, again, I, this is my final, final. With that final thought, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 28, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, can someone finish that for me? What's it say, Gene? If I cast out demons by the finger of God or by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. Jesus said, if you see me driving the devil, driving Satan out, that means one thing, the government of God is operating. The government of God is operating. The devil doesn't move for religion, but the government of God will move him in a heartbeat. Hallelujah. Clearly, Jesus's, Jesus' kingdom objective was to make the devil flee from people. Every opportunity he had, he made the devil flee from people so that they could inherit the earth. Amen? But Christianity is a religion. We've got people fleeing from the devil so they can get to heaven and leave the earth. That's what Christianity as a religion has done. It's caused us to hope for heaven, forget the earth, let the devil have it. So we've got Christians being run off by the devil. That's not the kingdom way. The kingdom way is that we cast out devils. We don't tolerate devils, we cast out devils. We don't let them cast us out, we cast them out. The earth is ours. So, I leave you with this one thought. In Luke chapter 8, and verse 1, we, I shared this verse in the beginning. Jesus preached the good news of the kingdom of God. Jesus preached the what? Good news. The reason why the government of God, the kingdom of God, is called the good news is because wherever Christians walk in the kingdom of God, God increases peace of the increase of his government and of peace. What is the result of the application of the government of God? It's peace. And so in your neighborhoods and in your cities and in our communities and even in history, you look at nations and civilizations, wherever there was a substantial presence and representation, especially in the governments, and particularly when you have nations and countries whose governments are representative governments, when the people choose righteousness, when they choose to be themselves governed by the Lordship of Jesus, it reflects throughout the whole land so that the reign of God's blessing falls upon the just and the unjust. It's good news that the government of the kingdom of God has come into the world, not because it makes everybody do the right thing. That's not the objective. The objective is to enter people's hearts. But the net result, the fallout of people living in the government of the kingdom of God is that they bring blessing 
upon their communities. And that's what we're standing for and interceding for for our nation today is not to wipe out those that hate the Lord and love anarchy and want to tear down every boundary, but so that they will not succeed in destroying the blessings that are here because of those that are insisting on walking in the government of God. Hallelujah. In the government of God, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. We don't have to adapt to the culture of the world. We have our own culture. It's called kingdom culture. And those that know the word of God draw their culture from the word of God. Amen. Stand with me. As we prepare to pray, this, is, um, this will be our focus this morning, our thought. Is Lord, I know that I'm a child of God. Those of you that are here, those that are watching the video, if you, if you have received Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, through his blood he has brought you into God's forever family. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You will be going to heaven. You will be coming back. But Jesus will be king and he will rule over the earth. So you're a child of God and that is awesome. But there is that layer of the kingdom overlaid over the gift of sonship. And that is what imbues us with a sense of servanthood. That not only am I his son, or you're his daughter, but I am also his servant in his kingdom. So I face the world every day with a sense that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord over Clearwater. Jesus is Lord over our community, over our county. So wherever I go, he is Lord. Through me, he is Lord. And so our prayer today is, if you are a Christian, if you've received Jesus as Lord, that you will adopt to yourself kingdom consciousness. I am one who settles accounts with the king because I need that authority. I want to walk in that authority. Have your prayers lacked authority? Has there been a certain uncertainty like a corrosive acid eating away at your intercessory life? That can be, that can be taken out and healed and mollified and you can be strengthened with that kingdom realization. It can restore authority and power to your prayer life. Remember, the zeal of the Lord of hosts accomplishes it. And so God wants to get into your, your prayer life, your declaratory. I think I just coined a word, declaratory. Um, yes, your declarations of faith. He wants to get into those and, and so that they come to pass. And before we pray, if you're not a Christian, you have not asked Jesus Christ to come into your life as Lord and Savior. Do not put it off. That's the Holy Spirit knocking on the door of your heart. It's the reason why you've sat and listened to this message. It's the reason why you haven't turned off the video. Yet it's because God is knocking on the door of your heart. He's pulling on you. He's drawing you to himself. Don't kick that can down the road. There's not going to be a better time to receive Jesus. You're not going to be in better condition. In fact, Jesus loves getting us in our worst condition because he loves us. 
He doesn't love us more when there's less of us to be offended by. Just come, just the way you are. Receive him as Lord. And fortunate for you, if you receive Jesus as Lord today, you've done it under a message about the kingdom. So you're going to come into this thing, not just looking forward to heaven and being with the Lord, but you're going to come into this thing knowing that you're a fresh recruit in the army of God. You are in ambassador school with Jesus Christ to be an ambassador to your world. You are about to become a world changer. Can you say amen? Let's pray. Father, I stand this morning with those who here in the sanctuary are praying and those who are watching by video are praying. Wherever we are at, you know our journey to the spot where we are standing. I pray you would draw every heart. I pray that those who are Christians, Lord, if they have been lifted up to see the kingdom as a government in a way they've never done before, Lord, help them to be bold, to make significant changes in their walk so that they will settle accounts with you and reflect your kingdom. And Father, especially for those who are still here and asking Jesus to come into their heart. I pray for them. I take dominion over every claim Satan has had over your life. I bind every hold, whether an addiction, whether a perversion, whether a fear, whether a heavy heart weighted down with, with brokenness and injury. Jesus, come into their life. Come with healing. Come with restoration. Lift those burdens and break those chains. Receive that man. Receive that woman right now, Father, yourself. Bring them to you and give them the gift of the Holy Spirit to live within them. Lord, speak to them now. Go beyond my voice and let them hear you speak to their heart that you are their Father now and that you love them. This is our prayer today. In the name of Jesus, amen.